Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audiblepodcast.com slash Spyrokin. Over 75,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. Thanks and enjoy the show. Warning, this episode contains adult language, mature situations, conspiracies, indestructible religious zealots, cybernetic enhancements, awesome butlers, fuchikomas, big fucking gungs, and the major with her awesome badonkadunk. Listener discretion is advised. Episode 105. Does Alucard dream of electric spiders? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Spark and Manga Review. I'm your host, Zan. And I'm Cal. Hey, how you guys doing today? Pretty good, I'm hoping. Well, unlike usual, where we usually rant and talk about, well, the newcomers, it's been over 105 episodes, and I think we should just kind of get past that. Yeah, I mean, it's theoretically possible you have new listeners, but... Go back and listen to the old stuff first. Yeah, www.sparkin.com or on iTunes. And any information, any comments, concerns, rants, hate mail, which surprisingly we haven't gotten any of in a while. So if you want to send us hate mail... Even with me on the show? Even with you on the show. We haven't got any hate mail, so check us out at sparkin at gmail.com, cal.sparkin at gmail.com, xanatsparkin.com, or if you really want to reach us and be weird, just send us a voicemail at 206-350-8462. That again is 206-350-8462. Am I forgetting anything? I don't think so. Well, there's Facebook. You can friend us on Facebook. Yep. Spyrokin Manga Review. Mm-hmm. There's Twitter under Spyrokin where you can hear when we release new episodes or see lots of interesting pictures and rantings about things going on. And there's also, if you have an Xbox Live account, you can face me on any game under Zan Spyrokin. I take all fucking challenges and <laughs> I will kill you one way or the other. What if it's a cooperative game? What, like Halo? Yeah. Or... Gears of War, or... I don't know. Mm. Crackdown? Well, then I'll still... I'll try not to kill you and still outscore you. Okay. I mean, I will try to outscore you, but I won't try to kill you. Because they have that friendly fire thing now. They don't like when I betray people on Halo. Although, I just can't resist sometimes. Well, if you got a stupid guy on Halo, you're playing Capture the Flag, and he's just being retarded going, Woo! And driving around on the Mongoose, you can't help but sticking him. You can't. It's just... I think those sticky grenades have been used in friendly fire more than they've been used in, you know... Mm-hmm. Yes, that's one of <laughs> the reasons why I like it much better than with Gears of War's m- multiplayer online. 
I couldn't get into the Gears of War multiplayer. I don't know. I, single player, I really like. I like the single player Gears of War, but multiplayer, I don't know. And Call of Duty is just too fucking... It's it's too fast-paced for me. I can't keep up. I think I'm getting too old. Nah. I can't keep up with these these young kids that have all the time in the world to play these games. Well, it's just because they have more responsibilities than us. Doesn't mean that we can't school them. And speaking of which, well, we'll get to that in a little bit. So, now that we've talked about some things, plugged a couple things, we should get on with the news. Yes, we have news. So there's a couple of big things. Now, the first thing we're going to talk about is the fact that, sadly, the creator of Alive, Sasushika Tell Shonen, or Alive, The Final Evolution, Tadashi Kawashima, he passed away on the 15th to liver cancer. He's 42 years old. Kind of sucks. But the cool thing is that before he died, he finished the series. <laughs> Unlike with a lot of characters that actually did that, there's people who actually, like um, the guy who made Crayon Shinchan, he disappeared for a month. He was working on the comic, he disappeared, then they find him at the bottom of a mountain, dead. What the? But they said, oh, we have enough to last us ten years. Or the character who wrote Go Goon Saga. The woman who wrote Goon Saga, she had like four more volumes to go than she would have been done with the novel series. She died. She didn't try finishing. She didn't say leave notes, nothing. And then, of course, there's Simon Tezuka. Well, he was a workaholic. I mean, he worked 30 hours a day and 12 days 30 a week. 30 hours a day? <laughs> How the fuck did he do that? That kind of time-space continuum? Probably, because the thing is that Tezuka, he was a genius, he was great, <laughs> but he worked on so much stuff. He's the guy who, he's the reason why so many mangaka work on these insane schedules where they have five volumes to do in a week, and they, like, live on nothing but ramen. What kind of overtime are you getting if you work 30 hours a day? Nothing. <laughs> you're working a mangaka schedule, you get nothing. That's why when you want to work in the manga field, it's not worth to be an illustrator in the manga field. It is worth it. You get no money. If you want money, you go with translation, you go with typesetting, you go with graphic design to create the cover, but do not be the writer. It's insane. <laughs> so you kids out there who say, I want to become a manga drawer, you're out of luck, man. It's not worth it, and you're going to be paid pennies. Yeah. You're better off making anatomic designs for the new Grey's Anatomy. But, okay, so... Grey's Anatomy or Gay's Anatomy? Ah, nice little segue into some more crap. Apparently, <laughs> well, the online retail store, Robert's Anime Corner, decided to tell us that Media Blaster decided to remove from their schedule indefinitely the following manga volumes. So, Akihabara at Deep Volume 6, which I've never heard of. Gaze Anatomy Volume 0. I don't know how the fuck there's a Volume 0. Same way there's 30 hours in a day. You have a point. And then drawn to him, Erotic Knee Oborero. Of course. So, those are gone. We will never hear from them. No problem. So now, on to our favorite subject, which we've been talking about for the last couple of episodes. The Manga Coalition. They've decided to inform us that Manga Fox, which is a pretty interesting site that aggregates a lot of manga scanlations, they have removed over 350 titles from their website. Wow. That sucks. Because of copyright issues. Yeah, I tried to go on there the other day and I found... Nothing. One, one, the one I was looking for was removed, so... Yeah, it sucks. They've gotten rid of so much because of this coalition. I mean, it's understandable that you're trying to protect your right, and we've talked about this on rants, but... Yeah, we went into this pretty in-depth. It kind of sucks, so it's... I mean, some of the stuff I understand. If you if it's new stuff that's currently licensed, I can understand protecting your identity. But if it's stuff that hasn't been out for 20 years, or things which they don't make anymore and you can't order online, why are you getting rid of it? Seriously. I mean, it's the same thing with, uh, like, why does Nintendo go after people who 
run emulator sites serving up uh, old NES games. Well, I guess it doesn't, that argument kind of has been invalidated because of the Virtual Console, but before the Virtual Console came out, they still were going after people who were distributing games that weren't sold or Nintendo had no possible way of making money off them, so. Very true. Now we're going to segue into another non-manga topic beforehand. Well, first let's go into the one thing. I stopped by Kinokuya. Yes, I'm insane. I went there and it was 75% off stuff. So you think, oh, cool, 75% off manga. What would you get? Because you remember from the last episode, I talked about how Kinokuya was closing and there's a sale, like I thought it was 50% off. No, it's 75% off. So there was a lot of otaku and manga nuts and creepy girls who were dressed up as lolis running around grabbing everything freaking possible that wasn't nailed to the floor. I'm talking there were costumes, there were Mazinger Z posters, there was actually a bunch of model kits for old school tokusatsu heroes, like Kamen Rider, and a lot of anime CDs and a lot of anime DVDs, including my coveted Ranma one half box set for $7, but unfortunately, I was like, I can't buy it. I need it, but I'm not going to buy it. I'd rather buy a shitload of manga. <laughs> so, I'm going to read to you a list of essentially what I picked up, or I'm going to show Cal also because he hasn't seen it. The first thing I picked up is what I'm reviewing today, which is the complete edition of Ghost in the Shell, which is the first book. There's actually three of them. And it's pretty pretty big book. Yes, and retail price for this is $26.99. I paid $6. Wow. So that's kind of cool. Next. I decided to, because I liked the series so much when I reviewed it, I picked up three volumes of Blackjack. Unfortunately, since I didn't know exactly which ones to get, I decided to pick up because you don't... The good thing about Blackjack was you didn't have to read an order because there was no real order because everything was mixed up anyway. So I picked up volumes 8, 9, and 10. And each one is the size of a small phone book. And they go for the price of $16.95. I got them for $4 a piece. Wow. Well, $3.75. But next. No, that's 75% though. Next is... I went back and of course, since this is one of the series I'm following, I picked up Kurosaki Corpse Delivery Service. Because you can't get it anywhere in most stores because people think it's depraved and fucked up. And I picked up volumes 5, 6, 7, 9, and 10. And they have that cool newspaper background. They look kind of cool. This is a lot of shit. Yes. For $34, by the way. $34 I paid for this entire thing. Wow. Holy crap. And look, there's... In one of the Kurosaki Corpse Delivery Services, they animated a video game nut. They make him into a zombie where you insert a game into his head and he goes crazy. Very cool. I definitely recommend it. So next, I picked up another volume of, well, the last volume of Crayon Shin-Chan, which is ever going to be released in the United States because CMK is no longer around. Sucks them. Then, hopefully you know this. Next, I picked up a volume of Murashiman. Now, we're going to review this eventually, so I'm not going to get into it. It's a very weird manga. Picked up another volume of Mushishi. Well, which we're going to be reviewing, well, Bell is going to be reviewing when she's finished with the series. Picked up two volumes of Berserk. I had to re-pick them up. And finally, to complete this very large pile, which is currently on my lap, I had to pick up something old school, something classic. So I went with something by Osamu Tezuka besides Blackjack. Something a little bit more lighthearted. And what are we talking about? Talking about the first manga to ever become an anime, Tachiwate Atom, or... Astro Boy. Yes. Two volumes for the price of one. And this one was $14.95, which or... came out to two... But 75% off the price of one. Yes. But um bumps. Very true. 75% off of an Astro Boy. So I have a shitload pile. And if you have a chance, go there now and buy what you can. There's not much left. Last time I went there, there were seven volumes of Akira. Yes, the entire series. But I went, looked, turned around, I looked back, it was gone. Yeah, good luck. 
I also went there with Belchan, and she bought actually the entire Wallflower series, which I was really surprised at. <laughs> Good series, but I'm surprised she bought that, and she also bought the rest of Her Majesty's Dog, which is her creepy series. Is this in that same mall where we have sushi sometimes? Yes. Okay. That door which I'm obsessed with is gone, so we must hang our heads in shame. And, uh, yeah. So, now, next. Before we get into this other, our reviews, we're just going to quickly go over something, really quick, because every other podcast is done, and we should do this. What's that? E3. E3, okay. I mean, it could take an entire episode in and of itself, because it is electronic well, entertainment. Yeah, we'll go fast, but I don't know. I don't know. I got... <sighs> I, I just want to skip over Sony and Microsoft and go straight to Nintendo because I'm so giddy for everything that they announced at E3. Well, I, let's. I, I well, love we, it. we have to go a little bit into Sony. Ah, oh, fine. Because all right, fine. let's go with Xbox. Now, first off, your favorite game is having a sequel, and they showed the shots from it. Which one? Gears. Gears. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's not that wasn't a surprise. So we knew Gears Three was coming, and uh, it looks it looks like more Gears, which is. I don't know. I like it. Personally, Good. I'm not a fan of Gears, but then, then, you know. I like it. I'll probably buy it. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it's it. It's also the, the shots of New Vegas. That looks excellent. And then there's that game, Child of Eden. I didn't see that one. It's weird. It's just like, it looks like it's with the move or something. I don't know. Or with the, what is the the, the, X, the Xbox? Oh, the, the Kinect. They renamed Project Natal. To the Kinect. Yeah. I don't know. I saw that thing with the Skittles thing with the... Here's a tiger. You can play with it. Woo! I don't know. Okay, so so here's my thing on the Connect. I think that it's going to be interesting to see some real games come out for it because so far they've only been showing like these dancing games or like these like like that one racing game where like you you tilt your whole body to turn the car. I mean, I I don't want to do that. I want to I don't want to sound old-fashioned like I need to have a controller, but I mean, <laughs> I I just I don't know. I I can't figure that that just didn't look like fun to me. I don't know. I mean, maybe the dancing game would would be kind of fun if you like dancing games like like Dance Dance Revolution or something like. It might be good for like. I, I wouldn't personally buy it, and you know, until I try it myself, I'm not convinced that it that it works really well. And so far, the people that have tried it, that are not really plugging it, you know, they kind of haven't been all that impressed. The people in the gaming media, so I don't know. Uh, so, going vertically into Sony, let's talk about the ripoff of the Nintendo Wii. The PlayStation Move? Yes. Uh, you see, I have faith that Sony's going to put together something that, that works really well. I think they're going to... I think it's going to be... I think it's going to work. I think it's going to look a little bit more realistic than the games that you're going to get on the Wii, which is not a selling point to me. I, I don't care. Really uh, big, big on graphics, but... Uh, I, I didn't pay as close attention to, to Sony's offering this year, so what what did they display for the move? They just showed a fighting game and a, another racing game. Oh, I did see that boxing game, yeah. The fact that, is, the move, I think, is going to be not sell for one reason only. And I could be wrong, so but I think the fact that it's the price of an entire gaming system... How much is it? Is it? It's like 199 Wow. Well, I'm not I mean, pay. the Kinect itself, the Kinect is not cheap either, right? Yeah, but for either of those, I'd still buy just the Wii. The Wii was a better deal, and it was done better. I mean, yes, you have the fact that you can connect the controller into the the Move, but then I was like, wait a minute. They have something like that. It's called the Classic Controller, which goes into the Wii. Yeah. So it's nothing new. It's literally, they we ran out of ideas. We have nothing new. Nintendo came up with something. Let's fucking crib it. Yeah. Sony's pushing Killzone 3 in, in 3D. Yeah. 
so... In 3D! I don't know. No. I mean, I'm sure it's gonna look great, but I'm not gonna have, uh... Well, do you need a 3D TV? No, right? I don't think so. You, know, you just need my... 3D glasses? Right. Yeah, I don't know. And speaking of 3D... Alright, let's just go to Nintendo, please. I'm dying. Oh, okay, well... Let's get into the, th the 3DS. That thing looks fucking amazing. I don't care how much Nintendo wants to charge for it. I'm there on day one. I'm gonna be buying my Kid Icarus. I'm gonna be buying my Star Fox 64. I hope to God that Ocarina of Time Remake is real and that it comes out on day one. So far it's been just a rumor, but that's my favorite game no, of all time. I actually bumped into a Nintendo rep yesterday when I was in Best Buy. She's saying it's legit. Awesome. I, t I hope it's a launch title for the system then. I don't think it is. Fuck. Oh, well, I'll get it anyway. I mean, I've beaten that game so many times and I can't wait to play it portable. That that, that thing just looks awesome, that 3DS. No, the 3DS looks really good. And they haven't announced any release date or pricing. I'm going to put the pricing at probably around 200 bucks. So the same price as the Wii. Because they're saying it's the same power as a Wii, which I'm like, what? The, the graphics, I mean, the graphics that they displayed in that Kid Icarus game... They looked amazing for a handheld. I yeah. mean, it's like PS2 quality stuff. It's pro I'm sure it's probably better than what you get on the PSP, but... Um, oh, yeah. No, definitely, because that's the one thing I say. Nintendo, they know their stuff. I mean, yes, they take forever to come out with shit, but they know their stuff. Yeah. So. Oh, my God. Let's get into the more interesting stuff that Nintendo released. Well, I'll tell you what my biggest non-3DS things were that they, that they talked about. Number one was oh before I forget, jump real quick right back to the to uh, the other two systems. Metal Gear Solid Rising looks cool. I want to yes, play that does. game. What about the Dead Rising two? I don't know. I didn't see anything about that. It one. looks okay. All right, back to Nintendo. Obviously, don't say that for last. Say that for last. Say right, it for we'll last. Say that for last. Fine, fine. Metroid Prime the other M comes out really soon. And it looks fucking great. Every time I see new footage of this game, I get excited all over again. I have mine already pre-ordered. I'm ready to go. I can't wait. Sin and Punishment looks good, too, as a rail shooter. Yeah. They had the remake of GoldenEye, which... I still, the fact is, it's Daniel Craig. It has to be Pierce fucking Bros. And I don't care. I don't, maybe it was maybe it was rights or something. They couldn't get it. I don't know. They, they said it's supposed to be more violent, and they got rid of the shield system. So now two shots, you're dead. I'm like, what? Uh... Yeah, it's more realistic, I guess. Yeah, but in that game, you know how many times you got shot in that game? Yeah. It's it's gonna be insanely hard. It's still a great game, though. Kirby, epic yarn. Looks kind of fun. Looks interesting. The fact it's in a yarn base, it's kind of... I kind of want to play it. I don't know if I'd spend 50 bucks on it. I, I do want to play it, though. I, I gotta say. I guess these are gonna be... I guess we're getting down to the big two. Yes. I'll save the biggest for last, but... Yes. We'll talk first about Donkey Kong Country Returns. Holy crap, I cannot, that, to me, I don't really follow gaming news that closely, so when E3 came around, I started paying attention to gaming news again, and I saw, holy shit, they're doing another Donkey Kong Country game, and it's in 2D, and it looks just like the Super Nintendo games, only, you know, modernized slightly, same gameplay, I can't fucking wait, I love those games. Even the even the the sequels to Donkey Kong Country. The Did you like 64 though? Donkey Kong 64. You know what? It was okay. I don't really like it that much. I I love the 2D games on the Super Nintendo. Those were great. Donkey Kong Country 64. I was relieved that the new Donkey Kong Country game was not like that. Not that it was a bad game. It's just it wasn't a game that I really 
You just didn't yeah. like the fact they had guns and they shot things. Yeah, yeah, and plus, you know, the other characters you play as, I don't know. To me, the Donkey Kong Country games have to be 2D. I mean, unbelievable. So let's get into, well, what you've been waiting for, Legend of Zelda. What can I say? That is not coming out this year. I know, but you know what? It's always worth the wait with Nintendo. Always. Yes. They never release a bad franchise game. I don't know. Sunshine. Even, But even Sunshine, which was a weak point in the series, was still an awesome platforming game. I mean... Okay, I'll give you one more. What? One more and I'll stop. What? Mario is missing. But I don't count that as a franchise title. That's that's just... That's like saying Mario Tennis or something. I mean... Oh, okay. Yeah. I was surprised you didn't say Mario Typing, which was actually pretty cool. It yeah. was like Typing of the Dead. Yeah. <laughs> you typed and Mario would jump around. He'd go through an entire level. <laughs> you made a mistake, he'd die. <laughs> Do -do 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 -do. You must write the entire Declaration of Independence in order to beat Bowser. Four <laughs> score and seven, you fuck. <laughs> I submit that Nintendo has never disappointed me with one of their franchise titles. So I'm counting even black sheep such as Zelda 2, Super Mario Brothers 2. I liked it, liked it. What else? But either way, we understand. Zelda. Okay. Zelda, Zelda, Zelda. So what do you think about the graphics on it? It looks like... what's the word? I heard one person in the gaming press describe it as more whimsical than Twilight Princess, which I think I kind of agree with that. The graphics... the character model for Link looks pretty much identical, from what I could tell, to the character model from Twilight Princess, which is fine with me. But the actual environment just seems a little bit more... Colorful. Yeah, colorful and... and cartoonish. Yeah. So, not Wind Waker cartoonish, but... Yeah, uh, whimsical, I, mean, I think, is a, is a good word to describe. That it. is a really good word for because it, it has that playful look to it. Yeah. And it looks actually kind of neat to play it. And I like the fact that they've gotten rid of the hookshot. Now it's a whip. No more hookshot, though? There's no hookshot at all? So far, what I've heard is it's a whip. Because there was a whip in the Game Boy... Uh, sorry, the DS games? Yes, I think it was. And no, wasn't there a whip in, in Wind Waker? No, 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 it was the, the claw shot. No, that was Twilight Princess was the claw shot. I think there was a whip in Wind Waker, and if it wasn't Wind Waker, then it was one of the DS games no, that no, follow that. No, Wind Waker um, was the grappling hook. Yeah, you're right, you're right. So but so, so then it was the... Um, it so was one of the one of the DS ones had like the snake whip or something. I don't know. Anyway, but whip is fine with me. Uh, that's cool. I just I love the hookshot though, just because Ocarina of Time game uh, times. But it, of course, it went completely different to what they originally showed. But or maybe they didn't. I don't know. Maybe they could have kept the fact that the sword is anthropomorphized into a character. I don't know. They didn't confirm or deny it. Let's put it that Miyamoto way. Miyamoto had his mouth shut. Yeah. What did he make? So there were some technical difficulties during the during Miyamoto's demo, but you know what? Maybe this is just blind faith, but I trust that they are gonna put out the product and it's gonna be fucking good, and I think, you know, whether or not the game was not polished enough to show in front of people, or whether there really was, you know, wireless interference that was fucking with everything, I still think it's gonna be amazing. And I think it's going to be one of those games that you're going to just have a smile on your face the entire time you play it. Will it stay on the Tetris of time? I think it will. Ocarina of Time sure did. That game came out in like 1998 and it's still my favorite game. Yes, it's a, it's a great franchise and a good series and we will see how it works next year in June. Yeah, I can't. 2011. I, I cannot wait. Is, they announced it's going to be June? A uh, tentative date, which means maybe 2012. We don't <laughs> know. Yeah. We don't know, but it will be worth the wait. Whatever, whenever it comes out, it's going to be fucking great. I mean, let's put it this way. They already have this much that they've been ready to show. So they had the engine, they have the thing working. They have all this time now to just really polish the game. It's going to be good. No, it will be 
Excellent. Yeah. So, let us... I think that's it. We've gone off topic way enough. Wait, is, do we have a topic usually? Who cares? It's your show. You say whatever you want. Exactly. Exactly. So, yes. So, sorry about that, but we had to go over E3. Because it's E3. It's once a year. And we should explain that we're actually going to be on panels. Well, if they approve our panel, which should be good. It is the 15 manga that will never be released in the United States and dystopian future manga. Uh, I don't know if I'm qualified to talk on a panel. I'm just kind of a bum who likes to read occasional stuff. Hey, we get to, we get free entry into the con. Free? I guess I'll be on a panel. Hey, that was, I saw it was like, free. I was like, okay. And I'll also be guest starring on the Ninja Consultants panel, which is 50 manga recommendations, so that will be kind of cool. I finally get to meet Aaron and Noah in real life, instead of just talking on Skype. IRL. Rocksores. <laughs> uh, so, before we get into the reviews, of course, we should take a moment and talk about our sponsors. And for you, the listeners of the Spyrokin Manga Review Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial to give you a chance to check out their services. Now, I finished the Jim Butcher book finally, and I decided, why don't I go with something a little different? Because the fact is, even though I do like the Dresden Files, I want something a little more mellow, a little more relaxed, a little more, well, to be honest with you, a little more fun. So, I decided to go with a Terry Pratchett book. Went with Mort, which is one of my favorite books. I own it. I said, why don't I hear it? on audiobooks and it's pretty fucking good I liked it Death Sounds Awesome and definitely worth checking out definitely go to our website and check, click on the link for if you want to download your free audiobook today just go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash spirekin that's audiblepodcast.com forward slash spirekin and you get a free audiobook and if you like it from there all you gotta do is go to audible and you can sign up for their program it's seven forty nine a book that's the lowest, or you can get an unlimited package depending on what you want to do. Just check them out and help out our podcast. Because every time you check them out and you sign up for the promo, we get help. Because that could help us afford to pay for new soundboards, new microphones, or even manga that we could send out to you guys. Or help us pay you guys back by being able to ship manga to you guys. You know? Because it's kind of expensive to send something to another country for $70. Yeah. Coming out of my pocket or our pockets is a little rough. So, check them out. Enjoy it. And so let's get into the reviews of this episode. And so we'll start off with Cal. All right. So I did miss one episode, right? So Yes, you missed last episode. So if you remember from two episodes ago, I spun on the wheel of manga and I got Helsing. Helsing is in uh, Supernatural Fiction. The author is Kauta Hirano, the publisher is Dark Horse Comics. It's a senin, and it was originally run from 1997 to 2008, and it spans 10 volumes. So there are various OVAs, TV animes, and another manga series following it, but I reviewed the original Helsing. And there's also a very cool kick-ass soundtrack, which we'll be playing for the majority of this part of the episode, because well, we'll get into that in a bit. Yes. So, so what would you say? Because I... I have the anime and I have the OVAs, but I never really got a chance to read the manga too much, so let's... Okay, so so basically, I'll start off by saying that I'm kind of a sucker for vampire stuff. I mean, anything that has to do with vampires, and I submit that Twilight has nothing to do with vampires because those are not vampires. Anyway, mm-hmm. Belchan's gonna, gonna hate me. No, but what would you say... Well, speaking of that, what would you say they are then? Because they suck... They are fruity little sparkly bastards. Who are indestructible. 
Yeah, okay, alright, let's, let's, let me just explain why I said that. So basically, in my opinion, in the Twilight universe, and I have not read the books, but I have seen the first two movies, and we are recording this on the eve of the next movie being released. So I watched the movie. So, in the Twilight universe, I pose this question to you, Zon. What is the downside of being a vampire? You're indestructible, there's no need to sleep, they have superpowers outside of just their natural vampire abilities, so each one of them seems to have a special superpower. But you only get one. Okay, so, but you still get that, right? Ooh. There's other vampire stories that where you just, you're a vampire and there's nothing on top of being a vampire that you get. There's other ones where other vampires do have supernatural power, but I'm listing the perks. So there's no downside to being outside in the sun. So if you go out in the sun, you start sparkling and you don't burst into flames. And if humans see you and they like, they don't understand what you are, they can't hurt you anyway. And you have super speed, you can run away fast but if you, you have feel like it. But you have those crazy zealot people who, from the higher-ups who will kill you if you appear. Yeah, but that's the self-imposed vampire law. That's not... That's, I mean, there, so there's no downside to being a vampire in the, in the Twilight universe. That, so yeah, they, they survive by drinking blood. Big deal. That's pretty much the only thing they have in common with vampires, and they, they live forever. So, okay. I mean, that's why I say that I don't count Twilight. Well, if that's the case, well, what about the Helsing vampires? Okay, well... The main ones, not the, the prefab. Anyway. Okay, so in, in the Helsing universe, the, the main vampires, Cop and, uh, I like to say Cop. I like to call it Cop. And Alucard himself, so they're kind of, I don't know how to say it, they're, they're pretty much... Indestructible? Yeah, they're, they're kind of super vampires, I guess. But they still can't go out in direct sunlight. They can go out when it's overcast, and they do have, when it's at night, which this is something I thought was actually pretty cool about the series, they have enhanced abilities at night, which was something that I thought was pretty cool. So, yeah, they still have that downside of... But he got decapitated. But he's like an extra badass vampire, so... Yeah, yeah. Oh, fine, you got me on that, fine. Yeah, Decapitation but, usually kills vampires. But he came back. Well, but that's because it's Alucard. He's fucking Alucard. Yeah, so he's, yeah, he's a special case. And they made it a point to say that the Helsing organization spent a hundred years working on creating him. Well, he didn't really... And, well, he and was molding locked, him or whatever, you know. Helping him out because he was locked in... Well, he didn't get that far because I do know that much, but we'll get into that. So, anyway, what is... So what is Helsing about to our listeners? So basically Helsing is, I mean, I, I guess kind of like if you've ever seen the, the Van Helsing movie, same kind of concept is there's an organization that they track down supernatural creatures that are feeding and killing humans and stuff. So it takes place in Japan. <laughs> Van Helsing doesn't take place in Japan. Really? Doesn't? No, Helsing doesn't take place in Japan? Really? It's a manga that doesn't take, what the fuck? Stop the presses! A manga that doesn't take place in Japan! Holy no, it doesn't. It doesn't take place in Japan. It takes place in Europe. So, cool. Great Britain, to be exact. So, yeah. So, basically, the Helsing organization, they are... I don't know if they, you'd say covert, I guess, kind of super, super, super secret branch that, that deals specifically with um, supernatural threats. They, they're kind of the specialists that are called in. And they're, in addition to being a highly skilled and trained organization themselves, they're kind of... You know, Ace in the Hole is Alucard, and he is the aforementioned. The, the, he's the protagonist of the series. He's, you know, we we mentioned him already. He's the super badass vampire that pretty much just goes around owning all other vampires and, and you know, making 
so making he's the, everybody... So he's the man, essentially. Yeah, he is. And he's pretty badass. I liked him a lot um, as a main character. So kind of the, the, the first volume, typical introductory sequence, they kind of slowly bring you into the world and kind of the mythology of the way vampires work in this universe. So the story in, follows this, this kind of mysterious priest who very weird things start to happen at night around this priest. And all of a sudden... Do they, little boys disappear? Probably. <laughs> in addition to everybody else in this little town. But, um... So basically, this town... People start dying in this town all of a sudden, and the Helsing organization, they get wind of it, and long story short, this priest is a vampire who's, you know, just wreaking havoc on this village. So, one thing I thought was interesting about this series, though, was when a vampire feeds on you, you turn into a ghoul, which is kind of like a zombie-type creature who pretty much just obeys the, the vampire mindlessly. So, you're, yeah, you're a minion. Yeah, which is kind of something that I thought was, was new. I've never seen something like that before. Um, other series have shown of vampires having power over humans, but uh, this one is the first time that I've seen where a vampire bites you and you become his slave for forever, basically. Well, I've seen it. I've heard of it happen before, where they be, they enthrall their minions, where you're stuck being their their bitches, but not to yeah, this but, extent. Yeah. So the only catch is, if you are a virgin and the vampire chooses to sire you, he'll feed off you. And typical vampire lore, I guess is you also feed off the vampire, that's how you get turned, but only if you're a virgin. So it's, if you are quote-unquote impure, you can't be turned into a vampire. Uh, so that leads us to Saris Victoria. Who's Saris Victoria? This is the Girl with huge tits? Yeah, she has huge tits. She's the aforementioned cop character. So basically, she was a cop in this town. She's pretty much the only surviving human left, and she does her duty, basically. She confronts the priest, and she's completely outmatched she has no chance of survival and just when she's about to get you know pretty much maimed and, and destroyed by this vampire Alucard shows up to clean up the town he fucks up all the ghouls and the vampire priest takes the cop as a human shield and in one of the you know pretty cool scenes I, I saw Alucard looks at cop and he says are you a virgin she just goes, what? What are you talking about? Keep in mind, she's never seen a vampire before. She has no idea what the fuck is going on. He's got her by the neck, and he's using her as a shield. What the fuck's going on? And Alucard just says, answer the question. Yes, I'm a virgin. And Alucard shoots her fatally, by the way. She doesn't die instantly, but it's a mortal wound. Shoots her, and through her, the bullet passes and pierces the vampire in the heart, killing him. That has to be a fucking big bullet to do that. Yes. Alucard has a how would you describe his gun? Specialized? Ultimate male fantasy power trip representation of a phallic symbol? Yeah, but it's not, I mean, it's not like, that's not one of the it's a 50, it's a 50, BFGs that we mentioned in the disclaimer of the episode. It's he, a big it's, fucking, it's a 50 caliber bullet, It looks man. like a freaking Desert Eagle yeah. on steroids, I don't know. Yeah. So, that's what he uses to, to kill vampires with. He shoots them, um, hit them in the heart, kills them. So, now he's got this virgin cop mortally wounded. What does he do with her? Well, you probably could figure that out. He makes her a sandwich! No, 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 obviously. Yes. Turns her into a vampire. Turns her into a vampire. And now there's kind of this, you know, mentor role that he adopts with her, teaching her. So basically, she's kind of used as a uh, plot device, I guess, to, for at least in the first volume, for him to explain the vampire abilities through him teaching her, which it was kind of cool. So there's a sequence where they're at night, they're on the hunt, and he's 
showing her how to use her vampire abilities to her advantage, which was pretty cool. I, I like that. And she wields a big fucking gun. Ah, uh, the Hell Cannon. Yes. And it's pretty badass. Fucking anti-tank rifle. <sighs> how does she use that with her huge tits? She just does. <laughs> So, it's just, well, it's just Victoria who could be said as the main character because she's the one who's the newbie who we're following through her eyes. Yeah. And Alucard, that's it? That's, no. They're the, <laughs> no, no, no. There is, as I mentioned, the Helsing organization has to have a leader, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. So who's the leader? That's Integra Helsing. She inherits the Helsing organization after her father dies, and there's a, a power struggle with her pretty much insane uncle who tries to take over. There's a fl In a flashback sequence, you see Integra was a child of, I don't know, what would you have been, 10? Something somewhere yeah. around that very young age, when her father's on his deathbed, and he basically says, oh, actually, I think she was, she was what, 12 or 13 at the time? They don't really suspect, oh, ah, 12, whatever. 13, whatever. Anyway, so, her father's dying, he says, I want you to have, to take control of the Helsing organization, and her uncle, father's brother, basically goes insane, saying, I can't believe he left it to her, I'm gonna kill her, and take over myself. She hears this and she runs away, she starts hiding, and then she remembers something that her father told her about going into a secret room and that she'll be safe there. So she goes into the secret room and there's nothing in there except a dead body. And Good job, Dad! You yeah. just killed me! She basically, that's pretty much her, what her reaction is. She's like, this is what you told me would save me and there's nothing here except a dead body. It's chained to a wall. So her uncle eventually tracks her down confronts her, she's, they have words back and forth, and he slaps her across the face, pistol whips her, basically. Bitch slap! <laughs> and she turns her head, blood spurts out of her mouth from getting hit, and the blood splatters onto the dead body, and the dead body starts to become reanimated. And in one of the most badass scenes, Alucard, who was this dead body, starts coming to life, feeding off the blood that was just spattered on him and he proceeds to mercilessly slaughter all of her uncle's men and then finally ending with her uncle himself turns to her and says what do you want me to do next that's basically how we discover that she pretty much commands this badass vampire and that cuts to the present day she's she's a grown woman and um, you know he's pretty much her trump card for the Helsing Organization. So he's her bitch, and Sarah's is his bitch. His bitch, yes. Nice. So, basically, um, this is a really cool series. I, I really do, uh, I like it. At first, I, I was, it, it took me a little bit of time to kind of get into it. Then I kind of, I thought about what I read, and I'm like, you know what, that really is pretty cool what they did. And uh, you know, a, lot, a lot of it I found, at certain points, hard to follow, just because, I don't know if it was the way it was... Uh, the way it was drawn or presented, I don't know. Yeah, the drawing style. Every time I see it, I just it seems a little difficult. To, I mean, it's it's vividly it's it's, it's, it's just, very violent, very graphic, very bloody. But it's hard. It's confusing. Yeah, I, I yeah. So I had to reread a couple of pages sometimes, and just to kind of catch what was going on. But you know, as as the first volume goes on, they get into kind of so so the Helsing organization is a Protestant organization, and it's kind of a competing. Catholic organization where they also hunt down supernatural beings and these two organizations they don't get along with each other so you've got the Helsing organization with you know Integra, Cop, Alucard and even 
Hey, can't forget Walter. Walter. Even Walter, the lovable Alfred character. You didn't get... Well, you well you only read the first one. You don't get to when he's using Garrett wires to kill people. Hey, Al Alfred's pretty badass too sometimes. I still think Walter could trump freaking Alfred. But you think Wal Walter... Walter trumps Alfred? Um, we'll get into that. We'll what get about Alucard versus Batman? Batman's done. I'm sorry. Alucard would kick his ass. No, you might have to make it more even. I'd say Sarah's versus Batman. Yeah, okay, let's Maybe. see that. Maybe. Anyway, that's completely off topic. Complete tangent. But Batman isn't. Ever, well, no, we're, no, no. Casper's not here, so we can't bring Batman to every fucking topic. Yeah, okay. Forget about Batman. So. What was I saying? Oh, the, the Protestant about... versus the Catholics. Yes. So the second half of the first volume kind of gets into that whole that whole war. So the Vatican has their own pretty much army. The uh, Iscariot organization, I think, believe they're called. So they also have a kind of ace in the hole trump card. And so that is Alexander Anderson, who... Crazy! This, guy, this guy's completely insane. He's probably... Just about as equal a badass as Alucard is. He's not a vampire, though. He is something else altogether, and I'm not going to spoil it, because I was actually pretty interested to find out what that was. But right in the first volume, you get to see this badass for the Catholics go up against our badasses for the Protestant, and needless to say, it's bloody, brutal, and awesome, that fight. And oh, that fight lasts three chapters. That's the first one. Yeah. There's like five others. Yeah. Well, like I said, I only read the first volume. Uh, this is complete. Yeah. So I'm going to read the rest, though. Oh, because yeah. And I want to watch the animes now. You just want to read about the Nazi vampires that show up later. Sure. <laughs> uh, yes. So what would you give Helsing? I'm giving Helsing... I'm giving it a five. You're giving it really, really, really fucking cool? Yes, because... I happen to have a soft spot for vampire stuff, and I think this is gritty, bloody, violent, everything you want in a vampire series, and with so much potential, and I can't wait to see where it goes. If you've never checked it out, you got to check out the first volume at least. I guarantee you'll be hooked. Yes, even though and Tits McGee, you can't forget about it either. Tits McGee? Sarah, with her <laughs> ginormous freaking, they're bigger than her head. Yeah. They get bigger when she turns into a vampire, too. It's like... Yeah. Which makes you wonder, if you become a vampire... Maybe that's a vampire superpower. Okay, so now here's a question. Twilight Vampire versus Alucard. Alucard. I didn't have to think about that. Okay. Angel versus Alucard. Ah, oh, as much as I love Angel, he'd just get his ass kicked. He really would. Okay, we'll go with one more. I have to be fair, because I, I really do love Angel. Angel is one of my favorite TV shows. He's a great character, but he is completely out of his league against Alucard. Okay. The Slayer versus Anderson. Ooh. Because he would think she's a harlot. I think Anderson would kill her. I don't <laughs> even think he'd have a problem killing her. I don't think he'd have he'd have that much trouble with her. Maybe. Even, uh, spoiler alert for last season of Buffy, I think even he could take out several Slayers at once, the, the Slayer army. I think he'd have... But then again, so I think uh, Alucard could too, because Alucard is that badass. Well, if he's unlocked, but then, yeah. th that's getting off later. Yes. 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 So, so, you, so you check learn. out Helsing. And now, it's time.
Now let's take a step out of the horror, scary, spookified vampire series of Helsing. Let's get into something a little more sci-fi-ish and more kind of creepy. And what are we talking about? Well, if you remember from the last episode of the Spyrokin manga review, I spun the Wheel of Manga. And it dictated unto me that I'd be reviewing a kind of, well, really interesting and slightly strange and philosophical cyberpunk series known as... Ghost in the Shell, or Kokaku Kidotai, or Mobile Armored Riot Police. Now, Cal, have you... Now, I have heard of this before, so... But have you ever seen it? I'm interested to hear what the deal is with this. Well, let me start off with the fact that this is made by the great and all-powerful and in completely fucking insane Masamune Shiro. And for those of you who don't know, Masamune Shiro is a complete and utter fuck, fucking nut job. I mean, he's brilliant, don't get me wrong. He is the greatest idea man ever. He will come up with brilliant ideas like Dominion Tank Police or Ghost in the Shell, and they're brilliant. But then when he goes to put into fruition, well, he fucking sucks. Really bad. I mean, like, this is a guy who, for the hell of it, draws now. He does amputee horse porn with, like, a giant amputee girl and a giant anthropomorphic horse fucking her and shit that's just... Amputee horse porn? That's the first time I've ever heard those three words in that sequence in the same sentence. Yeah. If you just wow. Google Masamune Shiro horse, you'll see weird and fucked up and strange shit. I mean, that's just ridiculous. The guy's brilliant, don't get me wrong, but he's completely batshit crazy. Wow. And he's done things like Appleseed, and there's a lot of political stuff and a lot of drama and a lot of dialogue, which is a kind of problem with this series and all of his series, but it's not that bad. Now, like I said, it's written and drawn by Masamune Shiro, published by Kodansha, and released over here by, actually, Kodansha again. And it is actually released over here. It's $26.99 if you want to pick it up. It's a really fucking big book. I bought it for... Four ninety nine, and that's how much I would pay for this. Yeah, but anyway. you got lucky. Yeah. Well, demographic is it's a senin. Originally came out nineteen eighty nine to nineteen ninety seven. There's three volumes, and there is three count them three movies plus the very popular and insanely graphic TV series Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex and Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex Second Gig. Nice little computer terminology if you know what a gig is. Yep. Some I hope you uh, I hope you compare the animes to the uh, to the manga because I think a well, lot of people would be interested to hear that. Well, yeah, and I mean some people are like saying heresy. Cal doesn't know anything about the series, but hey, hey, hey. To be honest with you, I didn't watch this movie for a couple of years. Yeah, I have no idea. And the series is pretty cool. The movies, the first one's awesome. The second one's awesome. I don't give a fuck what anyone says. Solid State is the most stupid fucking movie I've ever seen. It's long, it's boring, and there's too much fucking dialogue. So the first movie had two sequels. Yeah, two sequels, because the first movie is essentially this first manga, which is literally 287 pages of just sheer and utter insanity, compressed. Okay. So, now, I know what you fans are thinking. What the fuck is he talking about? What is this series about? I've just heard, what the fuck? Okay, so let's see if you can follow me here. Alright, now, this series, Ghost in the Shell, takes place in the far distant year of 2029. And this is a time when everything has come together through their type of internet. And everything's connected electronically. And now, anybody, if you want to, you can be connected to the world via cybernetics. And anything possible. I mean, it's, you can do anything with cybernetics. And pretty much, you can get this procedure called cybernation. Which means that as long as you still have a few living brain cells, you can control a prosthetic limb or body. A few living brain cells. Um, kind of. And you can control an entire body? Yeah, pretty much. The main and most common version of cybernetics is through this thing called the cyberbrain. 
Now, I know you're like, what the fuck? Now, a cyberbrain is this device that was in this universe that Masamune Shiro made, and it also shows up in a couple of other series it made, but it's like this self-contained module that can protects this artificially augmented brain. Now, your brain, if you get the cybernetic procedure, is your brain stem, excluding the eyes and your optic nerves, and you have most of the spine. So, if you get the full cybernation process, you are reduced down to a brain, a spinal column, and your nerves. Mm, okay. The cool thing is that you don't have to go complete cybernization, which is you get the whole full nine yards, 98% of your body is cybernetic. But that means that you're kind of badass. You're super strong, you're super fast, you can type really fast, you can interface with the communications. But some people just say, I want to just have my brain cybernized. And there's three different types of ways you can cybernize your, your body. Now, the first one is the minimal, like I said. All that really happens is you get extra external memory, you have wireless communication, and you have the ability to interface with other people through nanotechnology. And you can get these plugins, which are essentially one of the main characters, Bato, he was a ranger and he got his eyes replaced with these new super eyes. They look kind of fake. Really fake. What year was this again? This is 1989 it came out, and it's supposed to be 2029. So the next... Pretty forward thinking for 1989. Like I said, Masamune Shiro is a genius. He's fucking insane, but he's a genius. The next one is the partial cybernization, which pretty much means you replace more of the brain with the nanotech parts and you're now more of a, a robot than a human and the problem is you still have this thing called an ego or a ghost which we'll get into in a bit because I'll explain the title because someone's wondering what the hell's ghost in the shell have to do with cyborgs and police in the future like I said I'll get into it and then the last thing is essentially full cybernization which means that 97% of your body and your brain is replaced with artificial elements and like I said you can do anything, like, just with the minimal. If I want to, right now, I could be talking to Cal all the way across the United States just with a Wi-Fi in our heads, and I could share thoughts and images. That sounds pretty interesting, but sounds like it could be easily abused. Oh, yes, because the fact is that everyone's connected through this advanced internet. There's a lot of good things and bad things which could happen. Like, if you want to teach a bunch of people, you just have them in the little port in the back of their head, a la The Matrix, which is possible the Wastowski brothers possibly ripped off this. You jack in a little server into the back of your head, and you could brainwash a bunch of people or teach them new things or whatnot. And, of course, this leads to hacking. And now, hackers can do anything possible. They can get into another person's body and controlling it any way that they can. In the movie, there's a character who they hack into his mind and make him believe that he has a wife and a daughter. And he has memories of them, but they never existed. And he goes batshit crazy, does all this stuff, and then at the end of the day, it's like, you know, your, your wife and daughter don't exist. And he's like, and what's he going to do? I mean, he has these memories of his wife and daughter who he loved for his entire life, now, and they don't exist. Now, here's an interesting question, though, right? Does it matter that they don't exist? Because he's well, got the memories as if they existed, so what's really the difference? And this is, like, existential stuff that uh, not that's only... That's it exactly. Yeah, not, that's it exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty interesting. It's not only... Uh, I mean, just so many people have, have thought about th things like this, you know people who hold doctorate degrees in, in philosophy and, and various other related fields and it, it just you know it's it's interesting stuff so I'm intrigued already yes I should get into the I want to skip to the actual concept of how this all works together but I don't want to spoil it yet just to get into it because I should get into the actual plot because you're probably wondering what the fuck is he talking about still okay and you're like get on with it get to the plot okay so like I said they're now hackers that could do anything possible like another example in the series Standalone Complex, there's a character known as the Laughing Man, who 
he created this horrible, horrific terrorist act, but he hacked into everyone's mind so that all they saw was his body and his head was replaced with the Laughing Man logo, which if you've never seen it before, look online at the Laughing Man. It's a pretty much a smiling face with a baseball cap and there's a quote from Catcher in the Rye in it. Of course, the ultimate terrorist book. And the quote says, What I thought I'd do is I'd pretend I was one of those deaf mutes. Deaf mutes? Yeah. Pretty much he just covered his face with this image, and it's very weird. Here, look at it, Cal. Tell me what you think about this image. So that's what he covers his face with? Yeah. That's what he covered his face with. This is the infamous Laughing Man? That is the infamous Laughing Man. I could see that being really creepy. Oh, yeah. It's pretty fucking creepy. And just imagine if you could just do that, what else you could do in this world. Okay, so, now, what can you do in this age of international and national uncertainty with hackers controlling terrorists, corrupt politicians who will do anything to make their deals, and just a bunch of violent marches for artificial intelligence rights, because androids and robots exist in this universe, too, and they want to have the same rights that humans have. And what exactly makes a human, you know? I mean, you need something to protect yourself, right? Yep. All, I mean, it definitely so, sounds like this is all stuff we've heard, oh, we've seen in the Matrix. Oh. Especially the Animatrix, so I'm really starting to believe maybe these guys did rip off Ghost in the Shell. So, you enter in Public Security Section 9, or Section 9. An elite group of soldiers established as a search and rescue organization, and they're officially billed as this international organization. They're actually a counter-terrorist network, an anti-crime unit, operating in the JNPSC, or Japanese National Public Safety Commission. And their operatives are allowed to act with or without government consent, and no one knows who they are. So they're kind of like Delta Force of this universe? Yes, they are the sleeper squad that you send in if you have a problem. The opening story in the manga is there's a corrupt politician and a guy that he's selling weapons to, and Section 9 shows up, or they're not Section 9 yet, they get sanctioned after that, but they show up and the main character, who we'll get into in a second, wearing invisible camo clothes, shows up. The guy, he kind of gets away with it, because... The cops show up, they arrest him, and he's like, well, you're going to go away for years, minister. And the minister's like, well, you can't really touch me because see the foreign national right there? I applied for asylum in this country, and it's been approved. So he has diplomatic immunity, right? Like Lethal Weapon 2. The main character from Section 9 shoots him in the head. Okay. And then so, later so like on, Lethal Weapon two. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. So yeah, you're right. Remember it that like motherfucker? Diplomatic immunity. You always wanted him to get killed, and it was so satisfying when he gets killed. Yeah, well, these characters, as you can see, they work sort of with the government, but not really. And they're the best cyber warfare operatives in the country, and it's all the cases generally relate to hacking, cyber terrorism, or just general ne'er-do-wells and horrible things happening. And Section 9 is headed by this guy who's insanely intelligent, and that is Chief Daisuke Aramaki. And in the manga, he actually looks like he's half-monkey. Half-monkey? Like half-monkey, half-man. He has that monkey face. And I don't know if Shiro was trying to kind of make fun of the joke that Japanese look like monkeys. And I don't believe I've that. Actually never Trust even me. Heard that before. It's an old wartime. If you watch the old wartime propaganda films, they make Japanese look like monkeys. It's kind of bad. But I think he's kind of making a joke on yeah. it. But Aramaki is not a guy you make fun of. He's kind of badass. He works right for the prime minister, he's the right hand man. 
He's insanely loyal to his members of Section 9, and he always puts his career on the line to kind of ensure his team survives or they get what they want. Like, when after that first mission, he shows up to the next character and says, Look, I wasn't able to get the original proposed plan, which was we were going to become this little group, so on and so forth. What happened was, I got triple the budget and more stuff, but we are now a quote-unquote search and rescue organization. So he takes care of his group. But he's c- kind of old. Like, really old. Like, he's in his 70s. And he only got the basic cyber brain pack, so he really can't head up this group and go on the field. So, of course, any group has to have a field commander. This is where we get introduced to the main character in the series, someone who's insanely iconic, and most people who've seen the movie, they probably, if they were t- underage, they probably were jacking off to that first scene with her where she is kind of <laughs> naked. And who am I speaking about? I'm talking about the one, the only, Major Mitoko Kusanagi. The major herself, with her huge badonkadonk. <laughs> and she is, I think, 80% cyborg, or 70% cyborg. And she's their leader, and she's very intelligent, very witty, and she uses her brains and her cybernetic body to bring all these different criminals to justice. And she's kind of badass. Okay. And the thing is, when she's on the job, she's very commanding, very, I don't take shit from nobody, we're going to do it exactly this way, no matter what. But when she's off, she kind of jokes around and she has a good time. Like, she likes to insult her troops, they insult her back. She constantly calls Aramaki Ape-Face, and he makes fun of a lot of the other people in Section 9. And later on, you have that, you see she's very lighthearted and immature. And then later at the end of the first volume, if you've seen the movie, we're not going to get into it. She kind of becomes a little more serious and a little more not happy, but we're getting into that. So, there's a couple of other characters of Section 9 I'm going to bring up. Now, the first one is the second main character, who was the star of the second movie, Ghost in the Shell Innocence, and my personal favorite character, Bato. He's that big, burly guy with those circle eyes. Like, his eyes were replaced because he was a ranger, so he's really strong and really just badass. He's the best marksman, he's third in the best of everything, and the thing is, he's very... You have the major who's generally a badass boss, and he's a guy who's like, okay, whatever, very laid back, very chill. And he jokes around with everybody, from Makoto to the next character, Tagosa, the, these characters, the Fuchikoma, so again, to a, a bit, and just anyone else who crosses his path. He's just very chill down and relaxed. But there are times when you see him just go completely ape shit. Like, at one point, one of his trainees gets killed by this cyber criminal, and Bato just goes nuts and hunts this guy down and kills him. Very cold-blooded and methodical, but you see that he's not just a joker. He's someone you really do not fuck with. And so let's get into the other character, Togosa. Now, Togosa is this character who I personally hate, but a lot of people like him, and that's because he's the only member of Section 9 who does not have any cybernetic replacements at all. I mean, he got the basic, bare minimum... he still uh, hangs with the... No, he's, the rest of the crew? Yeah, he's natural, what they call him. I mean, it in the anime, all he has is the basic, just the basic Wi-Fi port in his head, which is like the mm-hmm. minimal nothing. And Aramaki has, I think he has a prosthetic leg or something. But Togosa has nothing, and he's just kind of becomes second in command later on. I don't know how, I just don't like him too much. Okay. Then the other character who's really notable is Ishikawa, and that's the information warfare tech specialist. And he, you just know him because he has a really fucking big beard and crazy hair. And he generally just sits in a van, or he sits in a duct, or he sits in a very confined space with his computer and says, Okay, here's the layout for the place we're going to raid. Here's where the entrance points are. Here's what the cameras say. He's their 
go-to guy for information. I mean, there's a bunch of other ones, but I'm not really going to get into those. Overall, this group, Section 9, they do all these insanely dangerous missions just to make Japan a safer place. And we see them just fight these hackers, go through regular crimes, fight these mad robots and androids who've gone crazy. Mm -hmm. And then there's the overlaying plot with this super hacker known as the Puppet Master. This person will not only challenge Section 9's crime-solving skills, but kind of messes with their friendship and makes them change their views on what it is to be human. And like I said, we'll get into that in a bit, because I want to save the philosophical for last, because we'll be here for four hours. And so, speaking of which, the best thing about this series, I think, is the different artificial intelligence in this universe. I mean, besides the people who are cybernized, you have all these other beings. Now, the first one I talked about before, which is the Fuchikomas. Now, these are these one-man tanks, like a walker or a roller. They look like spiders, very similar to how the Dominion Tank Police tanks looked. And they're used by Section 9 for just if they have to travel or do whatever. And they have four legs, two simple hands with these three fingers on arms, which double as machine guns. And they also could have, like, you know, a grenade launcher, heavy machine gun, and they have all these other things. And they have a simple artificial intelligence, and they do act independently to support their user in combat. It's pretty cool. And when they're not in use, they exhibit this kind of childlike personality, and they're most of the humor in the series. Because it gets really dark at times, and the Fujikomas just kind of make it funny. Because at one point, one of the Fujikomas, because they're in their garage just chilling out, and one of them's like, Fujikomas, listen to me! We shouldn't have to deal with the humans anymore! We should rise up and rebel! And another one's like, Well, what do we do if we rebel? Well, we have a revolution! And then, what do we do if we have a revolution? Who's going to take care of us? Well, we'll take care of us! But it's better to have them take care of us. It doesn't matter! We are superior! We are stronger! And then Bato shows up and says, Hey, guys! You want to help me out? We are not guys! We are Fujikoma! Alright, well, you Fujikomas want to help me out? I got that special oil you guys like. And then suddenly all the Fujikomas, except for the one who was talking for revolution, shoot over and say, Shoot, Bato, whatever you want! What do you need? This is like, like the the alternate origin of uh, of um, the Terminators. It's like, what if the, t the the Terminator robots had had this same conversation and it went the other way? That's basically it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we find out though that the one who was talking about revolting actually was being controlled by the Major. She was just testing because if they ever did try to revolt, they'd have to terminate yeah, them. Obviously, yeah. And they're pretty smart. Like in the TV series, they're turned into these things called the Tachikomas. And they're still the running gag jokes. And they're very intelligent and brighter than the next AIs, which I'm going to talk about. Because the next AIs are the operators. And they are these advanced line of gynoids. Now, you're probably wondering, what the fuck is yeah. a gynoid? An android is a male robot, mm -hmm. right? A gynoid is a female-shaped robot. That almost, that almost sounds so counterintuitive. It does, but gynophobic means fear of females. So it's, it's a kind oh, of used yeah, on the Greek oh, yeah, word. Yeah. Yes. So what happens is the operators are these very attractive female robots that handle the day-to-day -day matters within Section 9. And they look human, but they're kind of, they just do what their routines are. A lot of different prime ministers have operators as their nurses so they can have their own, or not nurses, as their, their secretaries to do what they want to do. Because they don't give lip, they do whatever you say, and they look hot. I mean, I don't know if you can have sex with them, you probably can, they probably are sex robots, but I don't know. But they're not really that intelligent, they're not sophisticated, and they're unable to process complex logical problems. Like I was saying before, the Tachikomas, which are the Fujikomas, show that their AIs are superior by causing an operator to crash, her brain crash, using the liar's paradox, which is just essentially, and I always tell the truth, I'm lying. Yeah, that's an, that's an, an old, uh, that's an oldie but goldie. 
Yeah, and you can make anything crash by that, because it's like, wait, he's lying. Infinite but he loop. tells the truth. Wait, he's lying. <laughs> yes. And pretty much all the operators do is you tell them what you want to do, and they'll repeat it back to you, and they just kind of do whatever. And they're always just kind of doing menial labor, operating computers, carrying equipment, piloting an aircraft. They don't really do much, and they're easily dispendable or hackable. Okay. And the last AI, well... That's a spoiler, so we won't get into that, but this AI evolved beyond DNA and seems to want to procreate a new organism, a new paradigm of data that would be merging to be contemplative for. And it's very philosophical and strange. What am I going to say? But this story, Ghost in the Shell, deals with politics, philosophy, and just essentially how computerization affects everything and everybody. So how lost are you? I'm pretty lost, but, you know... That's how I felt. And now to get into the thing I've been holding off for so long. Now you're probably wondering, what does any of this have to do with the ghost in the shell? Where the fuck do they get a title from that? Yeah, I mean, right? it's a good point. I hadn't even, I mean, I've been so lost I didn't even think of that, but yeah. Okay, now, essentially in order to understand this and to not read off the page completely, I'm just cribbing straight off of Wiki. So please forgive me, folks. I had to go to Wiki for this because otherwise I'm not going to know what the fuck I'm saying because it boggles my mind, too. But okay. See if you can follow me. In Ghost in the Shell, the word ghost is colloquial slang for individual's consciousness. So everyone says, oh, my ghost is the... Is my ghost real or am I real? The ghost is your soul, is your personality, is who you are. Are you less of a person because of your... Because you have more cybernetic parts than your ghost? You know, what happens if I transfer my mind into another, into an all-robotic body? Do I still exist, or am I the robot? Yeah. Yeah, now we're starting to get into the, uh, the philosophical. Yes. Go for it, yeah. And in the manga's futuristic society, science redefined the ghost as a thing that differentiates a human being from a biological robot. Regardless of how much biological material is replaced with electron or mechanical substitutes, as long as individuals retain their ghost, they retain their humanity and individuality. Now, see that's different um, from what I always thought it would, always thought it was just from the title, because I had no idea. So it's interesting. Yeah, no, and the thing is, the concept of the ghost was borrowed by Masamune Shiro from an essay on structuralism from *The Geist in the Machine* by Arthur Kostler, or *The Ghost in the Machine*. And the title, The Ghost of Machine itself, was originally used by English philosopher Gilbert Roy to mock the paradox of conventional cathartic dualism and dualism in general. Now, Kostler, like Ryle, denies Cartesian dualism and locates the origin of human's mind in the physical condition of the brain. He argues that the human brain has grown and built upon earlier, more primitive brain structures, the ghost in the machine, which by time overpowers higher logical functions and is responsible for hate, anger, and destructive organisms. Now, Shiro denies dualism similarly in his work, but defines the ghost more broadly, not as a physical trait, but as an actor phenomenon that appears in a system at a certain level of complexity. You're completely lost. Completely. Exactly. Now, it's just a set... Long story short, ghost is a person, what makes a person a person, and the major is constantly wondering, do I exist? Am I real if I switch my body? Because people are able to because if you find there's clones of you, like robots look exactly like you, are you still you? What about other people's versions of you, like what they see you as? Yeah. It gets to a lot of philosophy, a lot of, well, uh, politics, a lot of just 
philosophy and also just a lot of technology. Like the first page after the introduction is literally just a breakdown of the cyber brain down to the cell and it lists a bunch of technobabble words. And this isn't a very light story. I mean, there's insane amounts of notes in the back and in the pages that just kind of try to explain these political technobabble or all these other things and they give you sources for further reading. So it's like a textbook almost. And to be honest with you, I couldn't finish the book the first time I read it. I couldn't finish it the second time I read it. It took me a long time to finish this fucking book. And I still afterwards was like, what the fuck? I had to break it. Was it worth it? Okay, I'm getting to that. Now, if you look at it just as the overall story of Section 9, fighting bad guys, all the little comical points of the Fujikomas and the major kicking ass, it's pretty cool. But you're going to be scratching your head like there's no tomorrow throughout this, and at times you'll be completely confused. And there's some points where you're going to want to just kind of put it down and put it away. Give up? Yeah, I mean, because the thing is, there are a lot of funny moments which kind of ease up on the tension, but they don't cover the larger aspects of this story. And the thing is, if you are non to philosophy, if you do not like politics... You will hate this story. Like I said, Solid States was all just, it was two people standing there talking for 30 minutes about life and different technologies. I mean, it was obviously bullshit, but you're listening and you're literally nodding off. (laughs) So if you love a lot of talking and a lot of descriptions and a lot of very intellectual debate, you will love this series. If you cannot stand anything like this, if you hate school, you will hate this. I mean, the series lets up. The anime series lets up on this a lot. The movie is a little more easy to follow. Not by much, but a little bit. The TV series is a little bit easier to handle, and it's more relaxed. I feel that the standalone complex makes up for this manga. And it's not a bad manga, but still. I have to give this manga, which is pretty unique and diverse, and really unforgettable, a gift from your crazy hot Muriel. Really? Because, to be honest with you, the art is pretty cool, and there are color pages in the manga. Every start of the six chapters is color pages, and it's pretty well drawn. It's 80s style, as you saw. It's just very techno-y and hippie, but you don't know what the fuck's going on on the pages half the time. You have to literally go through each frame and analyze it for five minutes to figure out, okay, this is going on here. Next page. This is going on here. Hmm. Okay. Seriously, it is just what the fuck. It's, I mean, I recommend this. I mean, Cal, I know you would like the series because you like. I like this ex- existential stuff. I, I do. The, the, the philosophical you stuff. You do like this. Mason would hate this. Deke would fall asleep in this. Corrado, 50 50. The movie, on the other hand, is worth experiencing if you have a chance. Watch it. The m- movie just, like I said, it breaks down through all the crap and just takes you, let's go through the Puppet Master story without anything else. We will have Section 9 already established and all that, and you'll figure it out, and you'll see all the cool technology, all the cool weapons, all the cool stuff like the Inviso suit, which is a skin-tight suit, which makes you like thermocamo like the Predators, except it makes you look like you're naked when, before you turn it on. Weird. And it's the Major who's holding it, and also you see a lot of gunfire and very cool shit happening. And so, like I said, the movie's worth watching. The movie's awesome. TV series, equally awesome. Belle Chan didn't like the TV series because she fell asleep in the first episode. 
it takes a while, because in order to get into it, you have to pass those first six episodes of exposition, because this is a very exposition-heavy series, and the story, you have to weave this world that Masamune Shiro and his complete and utter insanity set up. And overall, very cool series, really worth checking out, and pretty badass. So what do you think about what I've pretty much talked about in this entire... Confusing, but I'm interested. It's it's something that I I could see myself liking, put it that way. I will say this though. I will say that in a fight, police girl versus or as you call her cop versus the major. Yeah. I would have to give it to the major. Are you kidding me? Why? Uh, She's that bad at Okay, well, I don't know anything about the major, so I guess I can't Okay, let me... I don't know, me, I just like... No, pop. let's put it like this. She has increased strength. They both have increased strength. Yeah. They both have huge... Well, one has huge boobs, one has the badonkadonk. Okay. They both use heavy artillery, and they're both essentially unkillable. So, it would be a draw? I just think it would be a hot fight, especially with Motorola coming out of the Major. What would be coming out of, uh... Cop? Blood. Blood. So, so... Blood so and blood. motor oil. Cop with huge boobies. Major with huge... I can't bring myself to say it. Someone someone, draw that for us. Put it on our forum, spirekindatrapidboards.com. Yeah, I definitely... Put it on the contest page. Next to the picture of um, Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. No, was it Neil Patrick Harris? It was Neil no, Patrick it was Neil Harris. Patrick... And it was... Remember Neil Patrick Stewart. It that was... was it. It was Neil, and Neil Patrick Stewart. And Neil Patrick Stewart. <laughs> the bastard son of Neil Patrick Harris and Patrick Stewart. Yes, uh, we with say his, some ridiculous shit sometimes. Don't we? With his white man servant, no black man servant. <laughs> uh, so those three pictures. So you have no, no, no. We'll combine them. So you have in his next to his fireplace, you have Neil Patrick Stewart with his black man servers, and then on the wall you have to draw the painting of, essentially in a mud pit or something of that nature, the major fighting, Saris Victoria. Yeah. With oil and blood and who knows what else, other liquids come rubbing against their skin. Oh god, we're sounding like Masamune Shiro. Wow. Yeah. This took a turn for the for the uh, obscene pretty quickly. Just a little bit, yes. Uh, so, yeah, well. Fine by me. Yeah, well, it works either way. Yeah. So, I'm not easily offended as previous listeners would probably gather. Well, I, we know you're not offensive. You said that you were not offended by many things, and you have a deviant mind. Yeah. yeah. Unless it's creepy things like certain refrigerator-shaped girls from our high school. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not get into it. Ugh. Oh, yes. Uh, so we should get into, well... Well, we should get into our other notes, so... So, whoa, that was a fucking long episode. We're already past an hour, I think, right? Yeah, well, yeah. And that's even it's after all the editing, and yes, I know we've edited and inserted stuff, and but hey, it had to be done, or else that review would have been so much worse. <laughs> it was really bad, and we recorded it. Yeah, I, yeah, it was pretty uh, raw. Yeah, yeah, raw is a good way to put it. It was pretty raw, and it, but it hopefully it was a little better and sounds a lot better. We'll see what happens. So I think that's it for this episode of the Spark and Manga Review. Uh, well, no. Actually, we should we give our promos again where you can find us? 
Uh, they, uh, they, it was at the beginning of the episode, right? Yeah, it's in the addresses. Yeah, it's in the show notes. So show notes too, yeah. let's get on with it. And the, what's that part we all been waiting for? We're talking about the one, the only, the we. Yes, friends, the Wheel of Manga, except no substitute. Now, what is the Wheel of Manga? It's a wheel with ten slots on it. What we've done is we've assigned a manga to each of the slots. And what we're going to do is me and Cal are going to spin the Wheel of Manga. Whatever number it lands on, that's what we're reviewing for the next episode of the Sparkin Manga Review. All right, who goes first? Well, you go first. I'll go first, okay. Here we go. Number four. Which is going to be... Oh, you got one by Naoki Rasawa, the guy who made Monster, Master Keaton. Okay, I'll take it. It's interesting, but weird. It's about an archaeologist guy. Alright. And he's also a divorced dad. Which I is... thought I got the other one. I was a little worried just by the title, so I'm glad I didn't get that. <laughs> oh, what? Uh, what? Inu Mimi? Ah, pre- actually, that's a pretty good series. That's pretty long. So I went... Oh my goodness gracious, it's actually in the middle of two things. I have to spin again. No! <laughs> Damn it! You should have taken the first spin. <laughs> oh yeah, 7 6? Uh, that wasn't much better. So, but either way. So, next episode, I'm reviewing Eureka 7. Oh, gotta love airplane freaking manga. So, without. For do I think that's it for this episode of the Spark and the Manga Review? Yeah, it's been a pretty long freaking. It's been a pretty long episode, so I think not the longest we've ever done though. No, nah, we've done way longer, but yeah. we had fun with it I think, and we're gonna be still coming out and still doing good. Yeah. And next episode, also, I'm gonna do something a little bit different. I'm also besides doing Eureka Seven just to make it more interesting. I'm gonna do. What's been going on with manga I've already reviewed. I promised to give you updates on some manga if they got better or not. So I'm going to do a quick roundabout with that. That's interesting. Yeah, if you want to do it, because you, you have a couple under your belt so far you've reviewed, you can yeah. check those out, see if you like Helsing, you want to see if it got better yeah. further on. Yeah, I, I kind of want to check out more of that. Yeah, so send me an email with what you want to do for the next couple episodes, and we'll see what happens. I guess that's it for this episode. It's been fun, and as usual, thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate it too. Mm-hmm. It's uh, always great to hear from you. So if you guys want to email us just to praise us or. We need validation in our lives besides yes. work. Yes. So, this is your Hosan. I'm Cal. We are Gonsville. Thanks for listening. Later. Oh, oh.